Ready to start. Uh, my name is Zeke, and this message, um, it doesn't have a title, but I, I knew that I was supposed to have a title. So if I could um, give a general thought that, that would try to be illustrated, it's this. It's not about you. That's it. It's not about you. And I say that to me, I, I always wish I could keep a mirror and look down because this stuff's for me too. It's not about you. It's not about you. Um, the um, the thing I wanted to talk about tonight is is what I call a shift in perspective. One of the, the greatest hindrances to um, a child of God is, is we are trying to step and stride in tune with what He's telling us is this um, is this perspective of man, and it distorts and contaminates every single thing that God tries to do in our life. Because when hard time comes, we we, we get broke up and give up because we feel like it's about us. Or when difficulties come, we, we drop out of the race because we feel like it's about us. And the single, greatest, um, the single greatest day of my life other than my salvation and my wedding <laughs> is, is the fact, is the moment when God allowed my perspective to shift from, from the mentality that this is all about me to a mentality where this is about Him, this is about His kingdom, yes. this is about furthering the work that He is desiring to do upon the face of this earth. It's not about you, and it's not about me. Um, he taught that in a, a peculiar way with my with my wife and I. Uh, I wasn't sure I would share this, but but I will because you guys feel like family to me. Um, he he spoke those words into my ear um, at the loss of, of two babies. Um, through my wife, and and um, don't don't feel sad. There's stories in here worse than that. I know, and I'm not saying to bring a pity party, but as I in different different cases, I got to hold both of them in my hands. And I tell you this: in that moment, here's the words I heard. Not it's okay. I'll be there for you. I knew all that. What he said is, it's not about you. This is about me, and I need to get glory. And I need to have my name spread all over this world. And I need to do this in your life to get you to where I needed you to be so that you could be my man on the scene. And that's what He does, guys, to all of us. And if we, if we get into a mentality of poor, poor, pitiful me, we drop. We begin to drop. We begin to get this mentality that distracts us from the divine calling for which you were put here. And it's not really about you at all. No matter what kind of hell seems to come against you, you can be invincible. Invincible. The enemy can't touch you. Um, this is how I put it in perspective as far as um, you ever, um, you hear of somebody who loses a loved one. Um, say I hear of, a, of a, a friend of mine who lost his wife in a car accident. And I, you go to the family night and you hug them and you cry. And you get back into your car and you go home and it's just, everything's okay. You hurt for them for a season, but um, you don't break like they do. Why? Because it wasn't really about you. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't. Um, you hear of a, a young man who um, uh, you went to school with. He died in Iraq. You know, shot. Um, you go to his family night or whatever, and, and you come back. It's like, man, that was sad. You know, pray for that family. You go on the next day to work. But why wasn't your life altered? It wasn't really about you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. We've all been there. We've yeah. all been there. And that's how we have to be with how God plans and purposes. If it, if it completely dismantles us in the kingdom, it's because we have the wrong perspective. 
we have an earthly perspective, and until we experience that shift to heavenly perspective, we'll be little little more than a pew warmer. Yeah. We have to have a, a, a perspective where we see every active movement of God, providing we have to analyze our lives and hold ourselves accountable. This is not an excuse to do whatever you want. This is saying we have to hold ourselves accountable, yet we have to view the, the things that God takes us through from a perspective that He is trying to get us into position so that we might perform the purpose for which He put us here. Period. So, until we experience this shift uh, from temporary to eternal and from selfish to selfless, we'll not be fully characterized and equipped with the full power of God. And this is relinquishing all of our personal desires to the feet of Jesus. Um, my uh, text or whatever will come out of the book of Hadassah. Esther. Uh, no. That, that scared him. He's like, oh man, I've asked this dude to preach and he's got some record about it. Um, this shift in perspective holds importance in your life because you need to be a threat to the enemy. And you are a threat to the enemy. And through this shift in perspective, you'll be an either, even greater threat to the enemy. And then when he tries to come against you, it won't matter because it's not about you now anyway because your perspective is heavenly. So he's going to be mighty upset with you uh, as you receive this word. But that's okay because you're going to be invincible. Amen. You're going to be invincible. Amen. Um, so let's turn to um, my the notes I wrote down are just completely nuts here. Let's see what we got. Um, Esther chapter 2. There. Um, that's right. I, I was waiting to get on the other end of that. Yeah, right. um, Esther chapter 2. Um, when you think about um, how many times in your life has deep pain or hurt or sorrow or confusion or something of that nature um, caused a separation in your relationship with the Lord? In my, in my life, it's been quite a few times, and an honest um, assessment of, of your heart may prove the same. Mm -hmm. That sorrow, heart pain, it, it has weakened our, our relationship and fellowship uh, with the Lord. And um, we read the story of, of Hadassah, and we, we look at her like, well, you know, she was placed queen, she did her thing, and, you know, God did it. You realize the hurt and pain that she probably experienced? How many times she thought that maybe her God had forgot about her? How many times she felt like, what is my purpose on the face of this earth? What's, what's my purpose? Because if you look in chapter 2, um, in verse 7, it, it talks a little bit about Hadassah. Um, um, she has neither mother or father. Okay, Raised by her, uh, Mordecai. Um, taken away in the exile. Losing her mother and father. So she's had stripped from her, um, her mother and father, her home, her security. Those are like two or three of the most important things in our entire lives. Stripped from her. Made to live under some kind of secret identity. Wonder what she thought. Wonder if she had moments where she thought, what in the world is going on? What is God trying to get out of me? Or is God even there? You wonder. You know, I don't think she ever doubted God, but you wonder. She's a real person who experienced real hard times. Amen. Mm -hmm. That's right. But is it part of a bigger plan? Mm -hmm. um, 
and it wasn't about her. It was about God getting her in position so that He could perform the work that He needed to perform through her. That's it. What about the favor in her life? Look at verse 17. This would be an interesting twist on what we're talking about. We can automatically uh, say, yeah, pain, hurt, sorrow will give us a heavenly perspective so we can get through that. How do you view God's favor in your life? Do you view God's favor in your life because you've done something good? Because that's impossible. You're not good enough to deserve His favor. Never. He loves you no matter what. But God's favor in your life is not because you are special or something like that. Although you are special, please understand my heart here. It's not because you've earned it. It's because He is positioning you. He wants to be glorified through the favor that He gives you. That's why you have favor. The favor, it says in verse 17, the king loved Esther above all the women. Why did she obtain that favor? So that she could walk around and say she was queen? Mm -mm. God wanted to get Esther in position. And He needed to rip her from her home. He needed to rip her from her family. He needed to have her live in a concealed identity. That's all hurt and pain, hurt and pain. He had to give her favor above all these other ladies before the eyes of the king. So why? So God could be glorified. So the kingdom could be extended. And for no other reason. And if we live our life for any other reason other than that which would bring God glory, we're failing. We're falling short. Because it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about Him furthering His kingdom. And these are very difficult words. But if we expect to get to um, the level of relationship that God has called us to, and we expect to be used by God to the, to the utmost highest that He has designed for you, we have to get to this place. Amen. We really do. Um, I hope everyone's familiar with the events that followed this. And I'm sure you are. You've got some good teachers in here. This ain't like teaching the youth that I do back home. Like, but you guys are great. If you ever do watch this, man, I love you. Uh, and uh, so she assumed the royal throne. She assumed the throne. For what? God had a plan. God had a mission. He was going to be glorified. So I hope you know all that. Um, the plot and hanging Jews. You know, to slaughter them. This was. This is what's going on. Um, and this is. This is not the text I want to focus on. I'm trying to to lead up to something here. And it's in chapter four, in verse um, in verse number six. Um, because what a great example we have from Esther to see this shift in perspective. And it has to happen in us. I pray it's already happening in you. But it'll be a, it'll be a, an ongoing thing. So as I was praying about what to preach, I think, Lord, if I've ever been in a place where I felt somebody had it right, it was here. But what do I say? I say, well, do you have it right? I said, no. He said, well, some of them may not either. Let's just let it go. Um, the um, the the Esther chapter four verse six through thirteen. We're going to read a dialogue here between uh, Mordecai and. Hadassah, and this dialogue will show a bit of an earthly perspective that she possessed because this is mighty confusing. She's already been through a very difficult life. Now she's set in a royal position. God has her in position to reign, but now it's getting difficult. She's going to have to go to the king, which will cost her her life to plead for her people. None of this is easy. None of this is easy. But listen to this. Um, listen to this dialogue that takes place here. Um, 
in verse 6. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai unto the street of the city which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at um, Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatat came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Again, Esther spake unto Hatat and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king into the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai as the words. You see what's happening is this uh, dialogue with a man in the middle, the middle man, going back and forth. So Mordecai commands this answer to Esther. And uh, not to be critical of Esther, but this is what I wanted to illustrate is, is an earthly perspective. Um, she has been through this entire journey in her life, just as you all have been. There, if we took the next two weeks and shared specific testimonies, and I know some of them, and they're incredible. You have been on, on this journey in life that may seem to make no sense whatsoever. And here's the kicker. There will come a moment in your life where you will stand face to face before uh, what we would call your destiny. And all of a sudden, all this back here begins to make sense. All the broken homes, all the hurt, all the pain. All of a sudden, all this makes sense. And there you stand before a moment in time which will be considered your destiny. And you have a choice as to whether or not you will release God in that moment. And it will come to you, it may be a daily thing. This isn't a one-time event where, where you have one thing you do and that's your destiny. This is going to be daily or maybe weekly. You know what I'm saying here. But there will come that moment where you stand there and this is your time. This is your time. It's your destiny. Who you will be. And it's, and it's our job to release it. Not to think about, well, I'm not good enough. Not to think about, well, you know, this doesn't make sense. Think about this journey. Think about the refining that's taking place all back there. Everything that's taking place back there was, was to quit you. What does the Bible say? All things work together for what? For good. To those who love and are called to his purpose. And that's you. You love God tonight? Yes. It's you. It's you. There you are. What have you been through? What kind of pain, hurt, bitterness, confusion does your life render at this moment? If you look back 5, 10, 20, 50 years. But it shaped you. God used to shape you. You have a purpose. You have a plan. You will stand face to face with your destiny. And you'll have a choice whether you will rise up and be God's man or woman on the scene. Make that decision. Because here it comes. Here it comes. Esther says, oh man, I can't. I can't go to the king. I'm going to be killed. 
Or, I can't do this, I can't do that. This is, this is hard. And here comes Mordecai. We need people like Mordecai to urge us along. He says, you tell this to Esther. Think not. And I know this is old school language. I'm sorry. All my notes are in this file. <laughs> Think not. <laughs> Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. Don't think you're going to escape. For if you hold your peace at this time, deliverance will come. Okay? For the Jews from another place. God will do what He wants to do. But listen to this but. This is a huge but. And I hope you all have it in your Bible. Does your Bible say but? Yes. Yes. If you hold your peace at this time, God will do His work. But thy father's house shall be destroyed and who knows whether thou art come to this kingdom for such a time as this. Just for this. Who knows, Esther, who knows if you hadn't been in this exile and lost your mother and father and gained favor with the king and been through all this journey and now you're going to go stand before the king. That's your chance. That's your destiny. That's what God placed you here for. And if you refuse it, God's going to get His work done. I can promise every person in this room that God is going to get done what He wants to get done. But He's placed you here because He would like to use you to do it. He would like to use me to do it. For such a time as this, we can run from or abandon the, the, the purpose for what we're sent here. But who knows? Who knows if all that back there was for this certain time and God saying, I'm putting you up to the plate. Just swing. You can close your eyes. You can hold your breath. You can turn around backwards. Just swing the back. Just swing. And I'm going to hit it. That's what he says. I will hit it. And that's us, guys. That's us. We've been in, we've been positioned by by the by the divine Creator. Here's 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 the faith I'm looking for. And this is the shift. Here's the shift. Here's the earthly. I can't do this. I'm going to be killed. What in the world's going on? What in the world? I can't do this. That's man's eye. You want to see what happens when a shift takes place in your life where you know that you are here to bring God glory and that's it. Because Isaiah 42.8 or 43.8 says that God will not share His glory with one single person. He doesn't share it. It's not for you. It's not for me. The glory is not for us. It's for God. Amen. Amen. Who knows if we was brought here for such a time as this? Here's the, here's the heavenly perspective. Okay. Esther said, uh, give this answer to Mordecai. Then. Here comes the shift. You ready for the shift? We're shifting gears. Yes. <laughs> Go and gather all the Jews that are and Shushan and fast ye for me. Don't eat or drink three days, night or day. And I also and my maidens will fast likewise. So will I go. You hear that? I will go. And to the king, which is not according to the law. She's reminding me again. I'm going to go. This ain't according to the law. But I'm going to go. And guess what? If I perish, I perish. That's heavenly. That's a heavenly perspective. That's not, what if I get hurt? That's not, you know, what about my bitterness? What about my unforgiveness? Why can't I hold on to this? It belongs to me. No, because it's not about you. 
And if we want to rob God of His glory, we can stay in our earthly perspective. But if we want to see Him move in might and power, we can obediently submit to Him and experience the shift. It's like you put on a different set of glasses. It really is. It's just like you put on a different set of glasses. And then you see this whole puzzle come together. This whole big puzzle. Man, I, I, I get stuck in earthly perspective sometimes. It's not, it's not a sin to say that you fall short. I'll tell you about an earthly perspective. When we come here, this is so divine how we ended up here. I didn't feel that to share all that. Hopefully you'll find out as we have dinner together over the next few months. Yeah. 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 But I wound up at the enclave. John and Joy. Amen. Hold on now, don't name me because I'm telling you about earthly perspective. <laughs> I signed up, I'm in there, and I start going out and knocking on church doors. I gotta find something fast. I got twelve weeks here and I know that it can be difficult to find a church. It would have been provided John Dang wasn't on the scene. Get this, earthly perspective. We're riding out looking for I don't know, Chick-fil-A probably. And uh, my cell phone rings, and it's John. I was like, what in the world? We paid the rent. We just got here. <laughs> so I'm sure the check clear. He says this to me. Um, you were $5 short on your application. You, you need to bring that in. And I was thinking, these people were the five dollars. I said, I'll bring you in. I'll drop a five dollar bill. This has nothing to do with John. He's answering to the manager. I love you, John. <laughs> five dollars. I said, I'll bring by and drop him a five dollar bill. A five dollar bill is what I plan on giving him. I mean, who wants to waste a um, 25 cent check on five dollars? <laughs> I go in and say, Here you go. He said, oh, I need a check. I couldn't see that God was lining up something because I'm ignorant. But God, God was about to line up a life-changing event for me. And I couldn't see it because I was worried about Zeke. I walked back to the apartment, grabbed the checkbook, whoever heard of such. $5. I go down, write the $5 check, and hand it to him. He said, what are you doing here? Oh... Uh, Searching, you know, for something powerful. I'm searching for, you know, defeating Jesus because I need to get away from the distraction. Have you found the church yet? And he didn't even just jump out there like a wild man. He's like, you found anything yet? It's like, I've knocked on a few doors, but, you know, um, nothing that even feels right. But he's like, why don't you try those? I was like, oh, yeah, what's, what's the name of it? Life Changing Ministries and Fellowship. It changed my life. Yeah. That moment will change the course of, of this family's life. And I'm not even kidding you. I'm not saying that to, to, to make you feel good or anything like that. I'm telling you, this will change the course of my life. Yeah. And I thank you for that. Um, but I, I told you, just to tell you, that earthly perspective can contaminate what mm -hmm. God's doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. You could have threw a check on the table and walked out and been at, and been at a, a place where I was another face in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Instead, God said, I, I want to honor your obedience. I want to put you in a place where you will never know you wasn't family. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's what it's all about. Amen. That's the shift in perspective. How do we get there? Um, I feel led to share this. Um, how do we get there? And guys, it's, it's more than just personal. It can happen around you. You've experienced it. 
you've experienced um, what it means to maintain a heavenly perspective because things will happen around you. Landlord issues, things like that. So that happens. You can have an earthly perspective and miss um, God's purpose in it, but a heavenly perspective plants you here. And it's not, a, not necessarily about bigger or larger facilities, although that's a benefit. It's about God wanting to position you yes. to bring Him more glory. Here you are. So it's more than just that. And what made me think of that is um, Queen Vashti, is how you say it, she had to rebel against the king so that she could get out of the way so that a spot could be made for Esther. That, that, I'm getting off now. It's big, guys. It's big. It's big. God's got a big puzzle he's putting together here. So I'm going to Matthew 8. John, you just raise a red flag when it's time for me to wind her down. No, take your time. Um, Matthew, Matthew you chapter Eric. 8. Experiencing this shift in our um, life um, will exist solely. It will take place. It will happen solely through a heart of of obedience and submission. That's it. That's the. That's the. If we want to get to that place, I mean, it's really a, a laying aside of us. Uh, a complete laying aside. And um, how do you walk around here, buddy? You too? <laughs> um, but Matthew 8 is where I wanted to go because this is um, this was a, a transfer of authority that, that really that really resonated with me and I, and I pray it does um, for you as well. Um, but um, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 10, um, Jesus says some words to a man that's, that's pretty powerful. There's implications that go deep. I, I, I want to make a point about submission. That's it. Um, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith not in all of Israel. Okay? Have some powerful words spoken to a man. Um, you know the story of the centurion. Uh, when the centurion's servant is healed, um, in verse 5 it says, Jesus entered to the city and and the centurion uh, calls to him and says, My servant, he lies at home sick um, with palsy and he's, he's tormented. My servant is tormented. And he says to Jesus, I mean, Jesus says to him, I'll come and heal him. And the, the centurion answered, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my roof. Speak the word only, my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say to this man, go and he goes. And I say to this man, come and he comes. And I say to this one, do it. And he does it. And there's a, there's a transfer in authority here that exists. There's a transfer in authority here that takes place that is, is very powerful. And if we want to transfer our perspective from earthly and temporary to heavenly and eternal, we have to operate under this level of submission. And listen to what happens here. Um, this man here, what he says, he says, I have people under me. I say, come. And you know what they do? They come. I tell this man, you go. You know what happens? He goes. And I say um, to this one, you know, you do this. And he does it. This man was familiar with authority. He had authority. And he operated in authority daily. And here comes a moment in his life where his authority is useless. He has a man and he can't say that man. Arise and be better. Arise and walk. Come on, get up. You don't have the authority to do it. And then here comes this shift. 
This is the faith. This man took the authority that he had and set aside so that he could see something happen that was beyond the scope of mere man. Mm. You want to see things happen in your life that go beyond what man's capable of. And we know what men are capable of. More millionaires are created every day than ever before. I mean, there is prosperity running out of our ears and demand. That is, that is um, um, authority. You know, there's so much authority going on, this, that, and the other. But um, we do not see things take place that are of the power of the heavens because we are not submitted under God's authority the way He wants us to be. If, if that's what's happening. And see, it's a shift in authority. And that's what must take place in our lives um, in order to get to that place where, where we are experiencing a heavenly perspective. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do because aren't there things you know that you can take care of yourself? And aren't there things that I know I can take care of myself? And we have to be willing to, to lay aside that which, that which we think we accomplished so we, can say, so we can see things accomplished that are from heaven. Amen. If we're seeing, if we're seeing things, if we shouldn't just see the ordinary. That's what I'm trying to say. We shouldn't just see the ordinary every day of the week. How come we don't get to see um, stuff like was in the Book of Acts every day of the week? It has to do with obedience and submission. That's really the only thing we could narrow it down to, is obedience and submission, because God surely hasn't changed. The power of God surely hasn't diminished. Where are the miracles? Where is the where is the life changing God sized stuff? Where are the people that are laying aside their abilities so that God's abilities can surface? You don't think Gideon wanted all thirty five thousand? Sure he did. You don't think Joshua wanted some some military equipment? Sure he did. But God couldn't be glorified in that because there was too much man in it. He's glorified when man is not capable of getting the job done. If he does it anyway, man, God looks good. He does. He starts to look real good. And that's when His glory begins to rise to the top. You want to be glorified? You want to lead the way? You'll never see the full power of God. You want to set yourself... By the, by, the, by the side and let God just surface right to the top, you're going to see things that will rock this world. Amen. It'll rock the entire world. And here's how I like to think of it. Here's how I like to think of it. Kind of like at a wedding where they say this stuff like, we're not losing a daughter, we're gaining a son. No, it's like, they don't mean that. You <laughs> stealing my daughter. Um, it's like, it's like you're not losing anything to say you're giving up your authority. Are you? No. Not when you gain heavenly authorities. Right? <laughs> what would we rather have? The heavenly authority has done things that we only read about. The thing is, He'll do it. He'll do it today. He's looking for submission. He's looking for obedience. And guys, let me tell you something. Just a word of encouragement. Man, you guys got it going on here. You're a very anointed, very special, very, very powerful um, fellowship. And, and, I'll, and I commend you for that. 
I commend you and I urge you to just keep going on with what God is asking you to do. Seeking that perspective that that doesn't get uh, beat up and whipped because of hard times. They're for a purpose. They're for a purpose. Amen. And every person in this room has been through something that nobody else has. And you're uniquely equipped for that next person. Right. Bill can do things I can't dream of doing because you've been through things that I haven't been through. The saying all around the room, God's had you on a journey. If you love Him, you seek Him, do not let the devices of the enemy uh, distort you. He's positioned you. And there you'll stand with your opportunities right before your eyes to reign for Him. He's put you in that royal position so that you can reign. Who knows? Was the whole purpose for you being created for this one moment? Don't miss it. God may have created me just to preach this message. I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. I've got some babies to raise. That's what I was thinking. But seriously, God could have created me just to say this message. He could have created J.J. just to strum that guitar. You know, who knows? We don't want to miss it. Transfer. Boom. Take off this earth. Stick on them having them. It'll change the whole way we look, the whole way we operate. We'll be invincible. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can touch you. Um, I pray of you, okay? Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for uh, this fellowship, Lord, and and, and even as I kid a little about the name, um, more truer words have never been spoken of a fellowship as this one. Life-changing ministries and fellowship. And in Jesus' name I pray your continual uh, blessing and unleashing of your spirit here, Father. Lord, continue to uh, equip and raise up your people for such a time as this, Lord. And may we all be aware of the fact that we have a purpose here. God, and that our past and our, our pain and our sorrow and even our favor would not distract us from the fact that none of this is about us. It's about your son's name being spread all across this globe. It's about your name being lifted high above all else, God. May you be glorified in our lives, Lord. Not us, Lord, but to you be the glory. Father, I ask your blessing upon uh, this fellowship and this group. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, the continuing of the igniting of the Spirit of God that is alive and well in this place. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Come on, Samson. Just proved that anointed messages can be held under an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, the now, word is quick, Zeke's going to read you a scripture and we're going to close with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, 10.39. Matthew 10.39. Go ahead. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my name's sake shall find it. It just occurred to me while he was preaching that Hillel, who was a man who lived just before Jesus, and he really shaped a great deal of Jewish thought, his favorite quote was, My exaltation is my humiliation, and my humiliation has become my exaltation. This man went down as Israel's greatest teacher until the Jewish carpenter from Galilee 
came and took his title. Mm. But somehow or another, I think Hillel would have been happy with that. Mm. Yeah. This little girl, Hadassah, if she didn't do what God wanted, Mordecai told her she would die. If she did do it, everybody told her she would die, but God said she would live. This is an amazing thing. For this shift in perspective to happen that Brother Zeke is talking about, it will always seem to cost you something. But a brother named Jim Elliott, who went on to be with Jesus many years before us, said he is no fool who gives away what he cannot keep to gain that which can never be lost. And this really does come down to that question. Are you willing to give away something that you can't keep anyway? your own life a little bit at a time in order to gain God's life for you, something that can never be lost. He wrote that one week before he gave his life on the mission fields. That shook this nation. Now I don't even think it would register a blip on the map when a missionary dies. But you know what? It still registers in the heavens. I appreciate the message that Zeke preached for a lot of reasons. Y'all can stand to your feet. One of the reasons, though is I very much believe that this is his practice. I believe that because I've seen it. People don't get in a car and move to a place they've never been just because they want to hear from God. They don't go back and tell their families. I can't really explain why, and it's not for a real lucrative offer or something, but uh, we feel like God wants us there. All of these things look like a step backwards in the natural. Come on now, you know what I'm saying. Don't Amen. You? And yet he feels compelled that it's a step forward in the only realm that really counts, the spiritual. How are you making your decisions, church? Are you listening to what the Spirit is saying? Have you made room in your busy schedule? Have you pushed out all the billboards, commercials, and advertisements so that you might hear? It can be a very difficult thing to hear God's voice, especially if yours is competing with I just encourage you to take some time this week and say, Lord, what is your purpose for my life? What is it that you want for me? Put away all of your textbook theological answers. Get down to a grassroots level. Somebody did that this week and got a new purpose in their mezuzah. Their life is about restoring the lives of others. Yeah. Amen. That's a purpose worth having. Somebody else will propel people into God's presence. That's what their life is about. I wrote in mind many years ago to excite people about the kingdom of God. Yeah, so it doesn't matter where we live anymore. It doesn't matter what we do or don't have. One thing matters. That we received from heaven that which God intended for us. Or did something earthly get in the way? John the Baptist did not care that Jesus' follower was outgrowing him. I know that the Discovery Channel series lies and says that they were in competition. But early in the book of John, he said a man can only receive that which is given him from heaven. And I have a feeling he said it with contentment and a smile on his face. His ministry was six months before he lost his head. But he achieved his purpose. Come on now. What would that be worth? Now let MasterCard lie to you. What is priceless is to know you're in the will of God. I pray that you find that shift that Zeke is talking about. I pray that you find it, you dwell in it, and run with it. Amen? Amen. And God can use even 
a five dollar check you got to write. Not put you in. Sometime when we have more time, I'll tell you how 20 ounces of coffee changed my life. It got spilled on me in an inopportune moment and redirected my life. Y'all want to pray? Yes. Mighty God, we thank You. You did not disappoint us, Lord. You speak through Your servants. Lord, we pray that we would not disappoint You, but that we would rise to the occasion of Your Word. Lord, that that which is earthly would fall from us, that we might live in that which is eternal and powerful. We thank You, mighty God, for the lives that You've given us. We want to give back those lives to You. Lord God, we offer them to You now, not just in word, but in deed. The jobs that we have are Yours, Lord God. The children that we have are Yours. Lord, we give You tomorrow. We ask that You would orchestrate the day. Lord God, that we might be found to be walking in Your will every moment of the day. Lord, we give You this promise. If You speak clearly to us, Lord God, we will not deny You, for You are our Lord. Lord, don't let us miss Your visitation. We want those words for such a time as this were You born. Don't let us miss them, Lord God. We want our lives to have eternal meaning. In the name of Yeshua, God's people said, Amen. Amen.